This is Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Excited today, we are talking about digital storytelling with Megan Anhalt. Megan is a what I'll call maybe a, a lifer in the social impact <laughs> world, and she spent time at Do Something. She has worked at Purpose, uh, most recently at CZI, even. And this particular topic is great. Hearing from Megan, uh, in my words, not hers. Hearing from Megan because she has been in the weeds, in charge of managing and executing countless campaigns, and uh, is not one for the sort of uh, BS bingo, just using (laughs) jargon for jargon's sake. She's done the work, she's trained, and I have asked her to walk through a particular presentation on digital storytelling, which she's written an ebook on, but also has literally presented this hundreds to hundreds of people uh, and training them and refined it. I know you'll find it valuable. I'm looking forward to it. So why don't we jump into the context of this? So Megan, what are you talking about with regard to uh, digital storytelling and campaigns? Yeah. uh, So, I mean, as everyone knows, a good story is really critical to the success of any social impact campaign. Uh, It's really important to be able to sort of connect with people through stories because stories themselves are so powerful. Uh, They do. They shape our worldview. They shape our outlook and the actions that we take and sort of how we see that world. And so uh, the best stories, really, they relate to us on that human sort of personal level. Uh, They can inspire us. Some stories can even change us. You know, we've all had that story that you just can't get it out of your head. Um, It just sticks with you uh, and really endures in our memories. Um, You know, throughout our lives, we're always um, encountering all different types of stories. I mean, who remembers the story of Malala um, and the things that she went through and uh, how that really cut through um, and really introduced people in the Western world to the challenges of growing up uh, as a woman uh, in Pakistan and sort of dealing with the different things and trying to fight for your education. And so it's really important to sort of think through all the ways that stories uh, impact us and how you can use stories uh, to really create that positive change, connect with people, and get people to take action. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to create social change. Yeah. So So when we talk about campaigns, what came first, the campaign or the story? I feel like a lot of times we sit in a room and somebody says, let's let's build a campaign. We're going to build a campaign around this. Or other times, are we wandering to stories? So in your experience, where is the chicken and egg hanging out? Yeah, I mean, more often than not, the everything starts with a story, right? So when you think about what inspired someone to start a nonprofit organization, uh, that usually starts with the story of the founder themselves and something that they were maybe um, experiencing or saw in the world or a need that they identified in their community um, and the, have their own personal story uh, for how they wanted, uh, came in touch with that challenge and how they wanted to create change around it. And so I think at the heart of everything is the story. Um, and you know, yes, some people will say, okay, we want to have people do this this particular action uh, for this campaign, uh, and then you're trying to sort of retrofit a story into it. But I think the most effective campaigns are those that sort of start with a story first of something that's going on in the world that's timely, that's real, um, and then you can really build an effective campaign around um, that story because that's really what's going to motivate people in the first place.
first place. And maybe this is a, a perfect time maybe to jump into the core elements that you have identified that are required uh, to put together a story because it's something that you're like, oh yeah, we, we totally have the story of our founding. Uh, we have a great story of this uh, one stakeholder named Jess and she uh, went above and beyond. Can you, can you talk to us about these elements so that maybe we can have a mental checklist as we go through uh, what needs to be in place? Yeah, definitely. So I would say sort of there are six key building blocks of good uh, social action storytelling. So particularly if you're thinking about a campaign, you want to move people to take a particular action, um, and you have maybe a story or two, and you're trying to decide sort of what is the best uh, story to share to get people to take that action. So essentially, I think of there being kind of six key components to that. Uh, the first is what we called it purpose, a uh, crisitunity, uh, which is essentially establishing. Is it like a croissant? <laughs> a little bit. It actually, I think it might be a Simpsons reference. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but basically, a crisitunity is exactly how it sounds. It's you know taking a crisis. Um, um, and something that's happening in the world in uh, sort of your issue at that moment uh, and identifying the opportunity that that comes out of that and thinking of the ways that you can sort of turn a deep negative uh, into something that can be positive and be acted upon. Uh, so that's sort of what we think of when we think of you know establishing that crisis-tunity. Um, the next key element is a hook. Like what is the really interesting story that sort of um, what is kind of the core element or unique thing uh, at the center of that story that's actually going to capture people's attention and sort of cut through the clutter uh, around other stories. Uh, and then uh, the third thing is a call to action. And this often gets left out, unfortunately, but you want to make sure that you are sort of leveraging the story to drive a particular action for people to take, whether it is you know signing a petition, a petition showing up an event, uh, donating, uh, and just really being very clear and specific about what that call to action is uh, and how that action is actually going to have impact um, on the issue itself. And so you want to make sure that you're clearly articulating sort of the theory of change around that action. Um, the other sort of element is choice. People want to sort of be set up uh, with a specific choice and uh, how they can actually have that impact. So this is oftentimes tied to the call to action. Uh, there's a really good example of a video that every town uh, created several years ago when they sort of launched uh, around gun safety and it was a, a group of children and they were upstairs playing hide and go seek uh, and one of the children is hiding and she finds a gun uh, and she's you know playing around with that gun and you know kind of bang bang as children will do uh, and then all of a sudden you see the other child sort of approaching the closet and a countdown appears and it kind of goes five four three, two, uh, and alongside that countdown is a click button. And it says, do you want to stop this? Which I thought was a really clever way to sort of use storytelling um, to drive action because, of course, <laughs> you don't want the rest of that video to go through, right? Like, you want to stop it. And when you click through um, to stop it, there's your sort of petition signature and your um, call to action to donate. So thinking of those ways that you can sort of create that choice and physically create a choice uh, for people. It's interesting because I initially thought choice as being, do you want to go sort of uh, left or right or do you want to support this by raising your hand or donating a dollar or finding a senator? But instead, this is almost like the engagement, breaking the third mm -hmm. wall and saying, do something physically to interact with this space rather than uh, 
be confused with going left or right. So it's that's that nuance. I'm glad you. Defined. Yeah, it's it's about putting people in the driver's seat so that they're making the choice for change, not giving them. And this is obviously another issue in campaigns, which is choice paralysis, where you have sort of the laundry list of all the different ways people can take action, uh, and that can actually be very paralyzing for people. Uh, and oftentimes they will close your email rather than click through. So really leveraging your story to drive one clear choice and one clear call to action um, is generally um, my recommendation. Uh, and then another key element of good storytelling is relatable characters. Um, in that example that I shared of every town, you know, you have two young children playing hide and go seek. That's something that every um, buddy can, everybody can kind of relate to. The mother's downstairs, she's busy, she's in the kitchen. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, anyone watching that can relate to. And so you want to make sure that you have those relatable sort of human characters um, that can build that connection for people. Uh, and then the last piece is human connection. Uh, and I, you know, I talk a lot about this, but the humanity aspect of storytelling is really critical because at the end of the day, we all share a lot of the same sort of human values, right? Like we all want to be happy, <laughs> we want to be left alone, we want to be able to care for our families. Uh, and so just being able to tie into some of those key um, human connections and human emotions, uh, I think you know the marriage equality movement has done a really good job with this um, and really relating, you know, same-sex relationships with everybody loves, right? Uh, and so that's something that I think can be really important is sort of tapping into those universal values of love and equality and happiness um, and, you know, those types of things uh, to really drive the key elements of your stories home. So when you're doing this, and let me just run through it again because that was amazing and probably the most, uh, you know, specific in terms of here are the core elements. Do we need all of these elements? And just to run through it, we have our crisis tunity, we have a hook, we have a call to action, we have choice slash driver's seat, relatable characters, and human connection. If I only have four of the six, do I fail? It's not about failure, but you'll find, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a really compelling story that doesn't have some element of those things, right? Like, um, I mean, I think you might, even if it's, so say you're telling a story about um, an animal, for example, you might think, oh, like maybe that doesn't have the human connection. But as we know, <laughs> oftentimes uh, people think of animals in that sort of human way. Uh, and so I think that's still a piece of that that is something that connects with people. So uh, I think the most effective stories often have all six of these elements. Uh, you wouldn't want to sort of leave out an aspect of this um, that could really be the thing that drives your, um, your stories home. And as I said before, I would say probably the thing that gets left out the most um, is the call to action piece. So you really want to make sure that you're being consistent and driving home a particular call to action um, or, you know, not having a clear hook and sort of just jumping into a, I don't want to say generic because none of our stories are generic, uh, but you, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're sharing a story that feels unique, is a different perspective, is something that people aren't expecting or maybe that they haven't heard before because uh, that's really what's going to capture for people's attention. So when you don't have that, when you don't have the hook, when you don't have the relatable characters, when you don't have the human connection, you probably don't have their attention. So that's the other thing to think about. I want to touch on Christatunity. Uh, Specifically because, you know, in the Everytown gun safety one, it doesn't seem like necessarily that was released at a certain period of time or maybe meant to take advantage of, hey, here's a specific school shooting. And I'll continue on that to say that are there points in which a crisis 
basically can't be capitalized by a not-for-profit because like a school shooting, it is too sensitive. It is uh, maybe disingenuous to be trying to take advantage of those moments. How do you have that conversation? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that comes up a lot. And, you know, oftentimes you hear now it's not the right moment to talk about, um, you know, to talk about gun regulation when we're all mourning. Like when is. But the question is, when is the moment? And so my personal perspective is I think I I don't think there is ever a bad moment. uh, And I actually would argue that in the moment is absolutely the moment um, when we should be sort of capitalizing. Because as we know, in today's world, attention spans are short. Uh, and we're not always paying attention um, to the things that are all the different issues that are happening in our world and le- until and unless something happens. And so it is really important to make sure that we're taking advantage of those brief moments in time that exist uh, to be able to start and capture a conversation and really to be able to culminate all of that into some kind of action, specific action that people can take uh, that can actually have impact on that issue while they're thinking about it, while it's keeping them up at night while they're feeling sad about it because you might not get that moment again. Um, you know, as we know, and dealing with gun issues in this country, those moments unfortunately come up far too frequently. Uh, but it is important for uh, across all different issues that when you get something that's in the news and it's particularly timely, that it's all that much more important to act on it um, and be able to put a story out there, put a narrative out there um, that can inspire and get people to actually do something about it. Yeah, and our, our current political regime and environment uh, presents many a crisis-tunity, I would say. <laughs> Unfortunately, too many, probably. In this list, I don't see what seems to be maybe a critical component, uh, and maybe I'm missing it. Uh, the hashtag. It seems like if you're going to make it, you need a hashtag. We almost start with the hashtag at this point, and we can basically hashtag every single major campaign that we've seen. Uh, where does that fit in? How do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what type of campaign and what type of action you're driving, right? Like, I mean, if it is something where you're trying to drum up a lot of conversation around a particular issue, or particularly, I think, where the hashtag comes into play, is if you're trying to consolidate a a groundswell of conversation uh, around a particular issue uh, or solution, uh, then that's where you sort of might want to apply the hashtag. uh, Or particularly if there's already a groundswell of conversation around a particular challenge, so you would never want to sort of do action around, say, Black Lives Matter without using the Black Lives Matter hashtag, because I think it's really critical that you're capitalizing on the people that are really interested in that issue already uh, and being able to sort of um, garner their support for a particular action. But at the same time, there's a lot of other actions that don't require um, a particular sort of consolidated of social conversation. Um, If you are maybe, you know, and actually a lot of that comes in sort of post-action. So if you get someone to the stage where they are actually taking that action. So if they're donating, if they've signed a petition, um, there's the the sort of tell-a-friend page that comes up after that. I think that's where it's really important that you're sort of, if you're trying to consolidate this particular conversation, uh, to be able to put that into play. Because if you've already got their attention and they're clearly interested in this issue, they might also be interested in spreading uh, the, the, uh, 
opportunity that you've presented to them um, to other people in their network. And so that can be a really important point to be able to put that in. Uh, but it's often, sometimes if you try to include hashtags too early on, um, or any kind of branding really, it can turn people off because sometimes they can then think that, oh, this is just to sort of bolster this organization's brand itself or those types of things. So you always want to sort of keep it core to the issue and the challenge that you're trying to solve for, um, rather than sort of get caught up too much in the, the shiny marketing around it. Yeah, there's so much that I feel like we could dive into there, but I actually want to switch to the holy grail, the holy grail of all of the campaigns and stories into uh, Probably the biggest, uh, I would say, jargony, BSE word, which is virality, right? It, you're sitting in that <laughs> board meeting and they're just like, I'm going to hold my breath as I say it. How do we make it go viral? Like I hear that and I do a I do a 180 and I'm like we're done we're done here <laughs> we're done here. How, how can you be the next ice bucket challenge? Uh, <laughs> Might have heard that one or two times. And so, when I personally think of virality, I think of it as a K factor. How do I get it such that one human tells 1.1 humans so that you get uh, an exponential effect on the spread of a story, as in the same way that a virus happens. It's mathematical, mm -hmm. and you look at it that way. You've broken it down based on, I think, analyzing some classic ones, such as a lot of the work that you know Upworthy did back in the day. And yeah, stuff. Upworthy actually uh, did a research of their videos um, and put together a list of sort of the key factors that go into some of the top viral content. Uh, and it's what, what's really interesting about it is it's not like if you do these exact things, you will have a viral video. The if, you walk out, if you walk out into a field, right, if you walk out into a field with a 30-foot 30 30 metal pole during a lightning storm, you still may not get struck by lightning. Right. But you are doing a heck of a lot better about being hit by lightning than staying in a little bunker. Yeah, well, and the problem, too, and I, oh, I can go through sort of what these characteristics are, but the problem, too, is also an interpretation. So you might think that your story or your video um, or your you know article or whatever has these elements, but in reality, it the your viewers or your audience might not see it as much, uh, and so that's always a concern as well. All right, here we go. What are the, All what right. are the elements? Go. All right, the sort of key uh, elements of what makes a really amazing sort of viral epic story. Um, so the first uh, that is commonly found in sort of some of the most viral video content is um, what we can kind of call like raw human honest moments. Um, they're authentic human uh, emotional reactions to things. Maybe it's someone that is extremely angry or they're really vulnerable uh, and are sharing something or coming from a place that just, you know, has no uh, other pretense, right? They're just doing it because they feel it in the moment and they're, by sharing their story and their experience, they are able to sort of spread that feeling uh, to other people. And that's something you can't manufacture. It's one of those things that just kind of organically comes from someone. Um, and so being able to sort of capture those really raw sort of human moments um, that people can experience. And if you're able to sort of get that on video. So some examples of this are you know, a lot of the sort of live mobile video footage that people can capture, particularly in dealing with police brutality and those types of things. Like those are real things that are happening in the moment. They are authentic. They are not being doctored in any way. Uh, and they are 
very compelling for that reason, and they're going to capture people's attention. Um, another one uh, is an inspiring, meaningful message, uh, which, can, which can mean a lot of things, um, but really it's about a message that carries a lot of emotional reaction to it. So maybe it's something that makes people really angry or really energized or fired up to do something. A good example of this is um, the sort of nevertheless she persisted um, comment, <laughs> uh, which you know obviously just fills a lot of women with rage. <laughs> so like those are types of things that just create an emotional reaction because of how they've happened. Um, that can really inspire and motivate people uh, to move. What doesn't work here is hopelessness. Um, one of the key things is just making sure you're not setting up uh, yourself to be creating this sort of insurmountable problem that no little action is ever going to have an impact on it. You want to always make sure that there is that element of hope action that you can do something. Uh, and so that's sort of the, the second one. The third one is mind-blowing content. <laughs> We've all seen the sort of uh, clickbaity uh, titles that are like, you know, and number three will blow your mind. Um, the reason that those are effective psychologically is because we really like to be surprised. We like to look at things and see things that we aren't expecting, that we haven't seen before, uh, that feel unique and interesting. Uh, and so if you're able to sort of genuinely surprise people um, in, in a new and different way, then that can also cut through. Um, the fourth one is sort of setting up the hero versus villain narrative. We all like to rally behind a good guy and fight against a bad guy. Uh, and so if you're able able to sort of juxtapose um, that sort of the, the evil, the bad, um, then that also can sort of help rally people uh, around your cause. So a really good example of this, um, his name is escaping me, but there was a very racist and sexist, sound familiar, uh, leader in Australia um, that got sort of garnered a lot of support sort of against uh, his policies uh, and so you know that can be really effective is just being able to sort of set up the villain um, the other thing is you know right place right time it's really important to be paying attention to the news cycle and what people are talking about um, what sort of is you know how, with finger on the pulse of pop culture and what people are thinking about and you know the things that are really cutting through um, and moving people and that they're really tapping into and are interested in uh, and so that can be really important just making sure that you're thinking of ways to connect whatever your issue is or your campaign to things that are actually happening in the real world uh, and the last thing is a little bit of magic like <laughs> sometimes things just happen um, that kind of do a little bit of this uh, and just inspire and move people you often see this sometimes with uh, animals <laughs> maybe a uh, Maybe a, I don't know, a duck is riding on the back of a <laughs> crocodile with, um, or like and the duck removes a um, plastic ring from the crocodile's leg or something. You know, like little things like that that are just like, oh my gosh, like this would never happen in a million years. Uh, and that's really interesting. So um, just thinking a little bit of like, what are, if you, you know, are experiencing anything that just feels like, wow, magic, um, how you can leverage those things uh, in your story as well. Wow. I think that is a really helpful jumping off point maybe if we're thinking about opportunistic, you know, the opera, opera crisis, crisis mm -hmm. uh, and, and relevant baked goods. And you 
say, okay, uh, when and how do I spot a moment uh, where we get some of this content and back into it? Or here's the campaign and uh, how do we, we tie this together and uh, realize that when you have have that, you know, don't let it sit on a server. Don't let it, you know, be on the to-do list in a year. Say like, hey, let's take a shot at a special project here and, and experiment because I think the way that Upworthy got to this is for every good idea, they literally uh, popped out a hundred bad ones. And so they were really experimenting in this period of time, figuring out uh, the formula uh, and paying attention to their analytics. And so I would say there's also an element of shots on goal. You know, being mm -hmm. lucky is uh, literally just saying you happen to win that time you played. Uh, but if you play long enough, you know, the odds uh, will become in your favor of, uh, of having a, a success. Um, I think as we move to the end here, I have a more tangible question that comes to cost. When you think about the cost, both in dollars, so you know what you're talking about, like there's some production value, there's some design, there's some you know creative minds you put in a room. Uh, how much does that cost, uh, both as you've seen in dollars and also in staff time? There's the assumption that oh, you know uh, ideas are ideas are cheap and we can just turn this around and the video only costs you know 500 bucks to make and then <laughs> suddenly we just put it online. YouTube's free. They don't charge anything. <laughs> off it off it goes. Uh, how do you think about uh, the proper amount of investment behind a quote-unquote campaign? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great question. And I think the first thing is, so there's a lot of answers to that question. So I'm going to break it down a couple of different ways. By the way, <laughs> in summary, it's probably going to be, it depends and how much you got. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. So, I mean, I think like the most important thing. So first I'll just say that um, when people think about digital storytelling, often the first thing they go to is video. Uh, and we've been talking about and sharing a lot of examples of video because when video is good, it's really good. Uh, and it's really what cuts through but first of all storytelling doesn't have to be video so I just want to clarify that too and that you can and also you shouldn't be creating a video unless you have a very clear sort of distribution plan and need for it uh, and if there actually is a quicker and dirtier way of doing it without having to do the production value of video then I would maybe try that out first so when you think about digital storytelling yes there's video and there's so many different types of video you could create um, and I tend to sort of recommend on maybe not going um, into have you know having too much of production value especially um, if you're sort of trying things out um, and in, in new ways because honestly the cheaper videos tend to look more authentic um, and if you like I think Upworthy is a good example because there's a lot of viral videos on there you, if you look through you're gonna not find that many videos on there that have a really high production value um, oftentimes those videos can be you know made in the moment on a smartphone or you know or someone just talking directly to camera um, in their office or you know different types of things so really thinking through um, the kind of, like I said before, quick and dirty way um, that you can make video that brings that authenticity um, to it and really lets you share your story uh, in an authentic, an authentic and real way. Um, but there are plenty of other different types of storytelling that you can do as well. Um, one of my personal favorites is just the Facebook photo with a story accompanied it. Um, and you often see those get shared. Uh, it might be, you know, an image of a soldier uh, and, you know, in his story about, you know, something he 
experienced in Iraq and talking about the Iraq war or something like that. Um, and those can also still have that sort of motivating and connection factor. So it doesn't have to be in a video. Um, and you know, Facebook especially, I think, is really well suited uh, for sort of trying out different types of photos and images and different things that you can create um, sort of graphically um, on that platform to share that doesn't have to sort of be um, high production value in terms of video. And obviously also there's um, email we should all be leveraging and sharing stories to your email supporters. Those are people that have already sort of shared um, that they are interested in hearing from you and interested in your cause. And so being able to sort of drive your stories directly to them there uh, and doing that in an authentic way, you know, using sort of guest emails, you know, letting people, uh, in your individual supporters or, pe you know, the affected communities uh, of your issue be able to share their story through your email platforms um, can also be a really effective so and moving, cheaper way to do that. You're moving into tactics and some cost savings, you're sitting in a 50-person organization. Mm -hmm. They have a reasonable budget, you know, call it uh, anywhere from like eight to 20 uh, million. Like, what is the staff? Like, who are the staff members that you pull together on a dream team for creating your campaign engine? There's no right answer to that. Like, I, I who think. Would you, who would you pull together? I mean, it, so in an ideal scenario, um, and if you're doing sort of what we call like rapid response campaigning, so you're churning out campaigns on like a weekly or biweekly sort of basis uh, where you're driving forward your issue, you want to sort of put a bunch of creative minds in a room together and have kind of that war room uh, where you meet every morning, you talk about what's in the news, you talk about sort of the stories and stuff that are being sent across different other parts of your organization that you're hearing from different affected communities or different regions or sort of those different pieces and you're thinking of ways that you can leverage those stories and tell those stories and bring those stories into the world uh, to be able to drive particular actions. Uh, and so in my perspective, like yes, you have your sort of key campaign staff, right? You have a campaigner, probably you know a digital campaigner, a campaign director um, and sort of those folks. But I also think it's just really important that any organization is pulling in all kinds of different people across the organization. I mean, you could even pull in your finance assistant, you know, on occasion, and just, because I think you always want to be pulling in those different perspectives and that creativity, because it can be really hard to do active campaigning. Um, it can be really hard to go into a war room day after day after day, fighting against the same issue, um, and you know, one, not get discouraged, uh, and two, be able to infuse that creativity in. And so, as much sort of new perspectives that you can pull in uh, and work with you, the better. So you can obviously start with your organization. You can obviously pull in your partner. Um, you want to bring in, actually, like, as I said before, affected communities as much as possible because that's really where you're going to get sort of the core um, stories that are really going to be able to um, drive home action and drive home that connection for people and how this is um, a real personal thing that affects people. All right. As we do with every guest, uh, we move into the rapid fire round. Oh, Nate no. has had no manner of preparation whatsoever. <laughs> so in our rapid fire world, uh, talk to me about a mistake you made in your career that has shaped the way you do things. Rapid fire. Oh, God. Um, mistake I made in my career. Uh, I don't know. When I was young, I was, I mean, I'm still very opinionated uh, and passionate, but when I was young, I sort of took more of a, like, do and don't really apologize approach, and I'm much more sort of emotionally intelligent these days because I've learned to be over time. What is something coming uh, in the upcoming year that has you particularly excited? Ooh, um, upcoming year. I'm really excited about the midterms. Uh, I'm hoping the Democrats can pull out um, a win in the House. What is something, something that you think you should stop doing? Oh, God. Um, touching my face. <laughs> 
you may have already answered this, but if you could go back into the hot tub time machine to the uh, Megan Ann Holt saying, entering into her early career, what advice would you give? Um, I would say don't stay too long in one place in your first job. Um, I think you are able to sort of move and learn and grow really effectively if you are in a bunch of different organizations. So move around a lot in your early 20s. If you had a magic wand that you could wave across the nonprofit industry, what would it do? Um, I wish that there were more budgets for digital. And uh, what is a cool tool that you have started using that is super awesome? Uh, I am obsessed with Google Photos because you can, it's a great way to like search photos. You could just type in, I don't know, flower and all the photos of a flower that you've ever taken show up. It's really crazy. All right, final question, Megan. How do people find you? How do people help you? Um, you can email me um, if you're interested on uh, megan.anhalt at gmail.com uh, and I am on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thank you for taking the time and sharing very, very practical implementation guides for digital storytelling. Awesome. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick word from our sponsor, Whole Whale. Lighthouse by Whole Whale is a brand new Google Analytics add-on that lets you see what each of your email subscribers are doing on your website. Lighthouse links your email CRM with Google Analytics to connect the dots in your data. Give your supporters what they need by getting to know exactly what they're looking for. This easy, affordable tool shines light on what content, what pages, what paths, and what clicks they may have explored in the past two years. Learn more at getlighthouse.io. That's getlighthouse.io. And now back to our show. This has been Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. Resources, as always, may be found at wholewhale.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us.